Welcome to Decoding Superhuman. This show is a deep dive into obsessions with health, performance, and how to elevate the human experience. I explore the latest tools, science, and technology with experts in various fields of human optimization. This is your host, Boomer Anderson. Enjoy the journey. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk to my good friend, David Nurse. David is, among other things, the world record holder for three-point shooting. But before we get into that, let's give a shout out to you guys, the listener. And this one today goes to D Stickler. D Stickler, I may actually know who you are, but D Stickler leaves a five-star rating saying, cutting edge. For anyone interested in how they can be better, this is a podcast for you. Boomer dives into the difficult issues and decodes the controversies and myths. If you believe that human optimization is possible, which if you're listening to this show, I certainly hope you do, you need to listen to this show. D. Stickler, thank you, my friend. I appreciate the rating. If it is compelling to you, head on over to iTunes at this moment or even after this podcast and leave a five-star rating. Uh, Who knows? Maybe yours will get read on the show. And pretty soon, I would love to give some cool shit to you guys too in order to thank you for everything that you do. As I alluded to earlier, our guest today is David Nurse. And yes, David does have the record for most three-point shots in one minute, but he's also worked with over 150 NBA players on court development and total mind-body optimization. 32 of those players have had all-star appearances, Eight of them have won NBA championship rings, and 24 of them were first-round draft picks. If you're a sports fan, needless to say, you're going to like this episode. But David came on to talk about his new book, Pivot and Go, which is a step-by-step plan to really developing a bulletproof mindset. And that was a term that David used, or actually I used, not David. Maybe it's the bubble I live in, but... Red light appears to be a topic on everyone's mind. Everyone has an opinion on it, and I do too. The red light of choice, or at least for me, is sauna space. And I have a sauna space photon sitting here right next to me right now. And why did I get the photon? Because it packs well, it travels easy, and I can shine it everywhere. What does that look like? Well, in the morning on my face during my meditation, after my workout on whatever problem area of the day it may be, and just generally to feel good. And if you want to get yours or just head on over to Sauna Space and perhaps even get yourself a sauna, go to saunaspace.com and use the code superhuman for a discount. Again, that is saunaspace.com and use the code superhuman, like my guest today making so many three-pointers for that discount. David Nurse, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. So we have mutual friends, Scott Scher, Tim Gray, the list goes on and on probably. And I'm really glad we had this conversation because you and I actually had a chance to meet in person in LA a couple months back, which was a good time, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you can come to LA and get out of Europe, I mean, it's a great time. Absolutely. And I want to start with just sort of giving some people context. You have a world record, I believe. Do you mind just walking people through what that world record is? Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, it's three point shots made in a minute, 20 made in a minute. So it's okay, kind so- of my thing. Like, that's all I could do when I played was shoot. And I wanted to have a way to be like, hey, this is, I actually can do this. I could coach this. I could teach this. You could look at this. So that's kind of what I did. So what does the training look like for that? Because you have to have, is it one ball or is it more? Yeah. Any? Yeah, yeah. One ball. But wow. The, the key is the rebounder has to be really good. Yeah. You catch it right out of the net. Can't let it bounce on the ground. Exactly. And so yeah. 20, 20 shots, that's three seconds a shot. You're basically not thinking, what does the training regimen for something like that look like? Uh, trained for 10,000 hours times 10,000 hours <laughs> times 10,000 hours, just repetitions, repetitions. And it's what I teach MBA guys. It's, it's the practice, but it's not 
it's not just practice. It's practicing it the right way, the correct mm-hmm. reps. It's just building that muscle memory and the myelin years, years of practice of it. So today we want to talk a little bit about your book, uh, Pivoting Go. And, you know, nice. I had a chance to go through the advanced copy and there's a number of different areas I want to go down. Uh, but I want to start with your experiences in training with a Russian billionaire. Uh, <laughs> because one, I, I appreciate the guy for what he's done and kind of admire him from a business aspect. But you had a chance to train with him and actually got called up to, I believe, the Ritz-Carlton penthouse. Yep. Talk us through that because that seemed pretty wild. So it was really wild. So I got called on to the Nets midseason to help their players develop. And Mikhail Prokhorov was the owner, who is a Russian billionaire oil tycoon, just a crazy figure as it is. And no one had really met with him. So no, none of the coaches, the players, it was kind of like this mythical figure. And, of course, two weeks in, I get called in to go meet with him in the Ritz-Carlton, the penthouse suite. And they bring me there and shuffle me off to this back, back elevator. It's like a James Bond type thing, like super undercover. And I'm there preparing like, okay, this is how I teach players how to shoot, how I coach them in development. And I'm pretty well versed in that. So I was there for an hour, just kind of going through that. And he comes in, it's 9 a.m. in the morning, standing over me in this cutoff and shorts and said, now we train. <laughs> like, all right, we trained. Now that we're gonna talk. So he took me into this other room and we went through what's called Teesco, this Tibetan martial arts for like two which, hours. Which I've never heard of until your book, by the way. I think man, I looked it up and I think like fifteen people practice it maybe. <laughs> but he was he was great at it. And he's putting me through these things. It's like balancing tennis balls, standing on med balls, tons of just crazy stuff. And it was it was it was intense. It was hard. And he was kind of over there just sitting there laughing, watching me. And, and there was one time that he got up and he wanted to show me how it was used for self-defense back in the day. So mm-hmm. he came close to me and he's six, eight, he's big. Yeah. He said, okay, okay strike me. Like, strike you? What? Uh, so, so your boss strike. effectively said, hit you, right? So this is, like, yeah. this is like an Edward Norton fight club kind of moment almost. It's like- <laughs> exactly. So I kind of like just gingerly take this little right hook and it, Half a second, he snaps me into this death sleeper hold and whispers in my ear, now I could kill you. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just like froze and hoping that I make it out of there alive because you got this is just me and him in here. And this is like this mythical guy. So I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it out. Then he started laughing and patting me on the back and like, I like you. Good job. I got through it. And then I tried to, I tried to stay in touch with him afterwards. Of course, I want this guy in my network, in my relationship. He's like, when I am in town, you will know. Gone, never saw him again, boom, disappeared. Wow. And so since that point, you haven't seen him? Haven't seen him, Uh uh-uh. But the lesson in it is I was just trying to get through that situation. Yeah. It was a situation like I I just wanted to pass it. I wanted to keep my head above the water. And and I didn't think of what I could have brought back to my team. I didn't think of it like, oh, this guy's got all this information that nobody knows. I could get this out of him so I can serve my team, the coaches. But I was just concerned in surviving instead of like in the book, Pivot and Go. The pivot is to looking at these situations as a thriving situation. Yeah. So it's these hard things that we go through, these things that we don't these things that we dread and it's a cool story that I can look back and laugh, but really it was a missed opportunity where I could have used this for true service to my team. But mm-hmm. instead I was thinking too much about myself and just surviving. Yeah. So the concept of present moment awareness is something that I I'm pretty like, I'm only bringing to my own forefront lately And there's points in the book where you talk about this idea of enjoying the journey, and it seems to be a somewhat consistent theme. And there's one point where you mentioned that life actually became another stamp on your passport. What, what, talk us through that transition, because as most people listening to this are very, very high achievers, and they, uh, you know, once you achieve, you go on to the next achievement, the next achievement, nothing's ever enough. How did you end up learning that state of just enjoying the journey? It, it, it takes going through it. I was, 
I literally traveled for five years and it was a goal of mine to hit three new countries every year. And I thought if I didn't do it, it was a failure. Like I just got to keep going. I got to go to all these places. And then I was just, I was sitting there and it was in Hong Kong and looking over the city and seeing how magically beautiful it was. And I realized all these countries, like I've just been going there just to check them off. It's just like something on my to-do list to check off, but really, really I'm not actually enjoying it. And it, uh, we all, like you said, high performers, we all struggle with that because instead of living in the, okay, I, I'm fully confident and self-aware of who I am and I'm comfortable. If I don't hit these, all these countries, that's okay. But instead I was living in like the, the, what it, what I call the, what ifs, what if I don't do this? What if I can't keep growing? What if I can't keep being better? What if, what if this ring that I'm at, like, I, I don't get to another higher level. What, what will people think of me? Mm-hmm. And that was the constant thought in my mind at the time. And then when I was sitting there in Hong Kong, I realized it. It's like this journey that I've gone on has been amazing. I just wish I could have enjoyed it more when I was going through it instead of looking at, okay, when am I going to get to this level? Because yeah. if we look at it that way, we're always going to want to get to that next level and nothing's going to be enough for us. Mm-hmm. It's a tough thing to balance. It's, it's living in contentment and realizing that you have these gifts inside of you, you have, you can be confident in who you are and these big things, these big things you want to hit, they're going to come, they're going to come, but they might not come on your timing. They probably won't come on your timing. They'll probably come in a box, an unexpected box in a different way than you actually imagine it, but they will come and just be, enjoy where you're at right now so that you can actually get to that point. So was it a cathartic moment, like sitting in Hong Kong? Or, I mean, I've been there many times and yeah. like you, I was checking boxes and yeah. were you like looking from Kowloon Bay into Hong Kong Island and saying like, Hey, this is freaking brilliant. Or was there like a series of moments or habits that you developed that help you really bring that awareness to every day? Yeah. Great question. No, definitely. Definitely habits that I developed and it's still a continued, continued development. Like, but I was sitting at the top of, uh, you know, that top of the mountain there in Hong Kong where you can see over yeah, the, the peak, Bay and the, the, peak, the peak, it's the beautiful. Peak. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like one of the most beautiful views you'll ever see. And it just, <laughs> that's what kind of clicked in me. And over the past five to six years since then, I, I do a lot of journaling and I have what I call my morning affirmations where I'll write, where I'll write down things like, I am very confident in who I am. I, I am here to serve. I, I'm here to serve my wife. God is the most important thing to me. Like things that will remind me of what's important in my life. Yeah. And I'll continue to read. The, I'll read those every single morning because I think like if we're just going through and just letting things happen to us instead of us making that first move, then we're very living on the reactionary instead of actionary. And we can, we can have the power through our self-talk, which is, so so important and anybody that overlooks that you're crazy because the person you talk to the most is absolutely yourself it's just what are you feeding yourself with so if you're feeding yourself with you're not enough you got to keep hitting this ladder you got to keep getting to that you'll never ever be content so I use these morning affirmations that I'll read through in my journal every day and I need like I need to kick back into this mode like I need these in the morning Mm -hmm. and that's that's one of the habits that I've built that's helped me a lot so I'm going to double click on that a little bit because, you know, morning routines, and I want to get into yours because I know you have a specific spot about routines in the book, but morning affirmations, they can run you quite well if you hit them first thing in the morning throughout the day. Do you hit it again throughout the day? Like, is it sort of an IV drip as a reminder or is it something that you just do once and then go on with the day? Yeah, so I do do it at it, at night too before I go to bed. It's, it's as important as a morning routine is as is an evening routine. Yeah, and me and my wife do it together in the evening. We just we go back and forth and say what we're thankful for, something small. And what I mean, we can get really really detailed, like get into frozen yogurt that we had. So just because there's always something that you're going to be thankful for in the day, and you can you can look at that. Of course, uh, I, I do try to build it in, and the way I build it in is. My thing is whenever I enter a room or a door that I'm going to have a meeting with somebody or I'm going to see people, I say the word serve. So already in my, it's going to send a cue to my mind that, okay, this isn't about me when I go into this, I'm going to serve. So it really takes a lot of pressure off myself 
but it's also a way to kick me back into that mode of thinking, okay, it's, I'm fully complete with the gifts that I have right now. I'm just going to put it up and serve. That's beautiful, man. Uh, let's, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Gary Sachs and the LA Clippers because nice. this seems, and correct me if I'm wrong here, how you got this role is pretty awesome. And so would love to just talk a little bit through what that interaction was like with Gary and how you facilitated your getting yourself essentially from where you were with your parents, I believe, mm-hmm. to see him. Yes, that was the process of, so I realized, and it took a while to, like my whole life was based on playing in the NBA. Everything I did was built on me and playing. You're, in the you're NBA. from so Iowa, these, right? I'm from a small town. Yeah. Cornfields of Iowa. Yeah. Cornfields of, I went to school in Minnesota, which, you know, that could be put in many That's different just, ways. Just brutal, man. That's just <laughs> as brutal. You understand those winners. You know, I'm out here in LA now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's why I continue to visit LA all the time too. <laughs> so my whole life was put into playing in the NBA, but being six, two and un- unable to dunk, it didn't really work out that well. <laughs> so it took me a while to realize that my, all that I was putting into playing in the NBA, all these details, all this optimization, all this extra, extra work was to actually coach others to make sure to help them reach their potential and play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And I realized that while sitting at on my parents recliner chair about five months deep after getting cut from this second division team over in Northern Spain that cared more about drinking beers at halftime than actually playing basketball. Yeah. And my mom said she was doing dishes. She said when David, when, and she always liked to say these motivational quotes and usually they just kind of went over my head, but this one stuck. She said, when one door closes two open, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, okay, yeah, that's true. A door closed here, but my real, why I put in all this work wasn't for just to play. The more, the better, the better door opened, two doors opened, beautiful to something else, which was coaching, which I realized was my pivot, my big pivot in life. And I didn't have any connections at the time. So I literally called up every NBA GM, cold call. Nobody got back to me. Well, good for you. By the way, good for you for having the balls to do that. Cause a lot of people don't even start there. So yeah. <laughs> One thing I think is like, what's the worst thing that can happen? If they, they can say no, I'll be in the same place that I was, but if I never took the chance, then I have no opportunity to. Yeah. So then I went on to finding every physical address and hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM and just kind of, I picked out something specific, unique about their organization that it really stood out to me. And then at the end of it, I said, if there's any way that I can serve you, your organization in any way, I'm more than happy to serve. Like not asking like, Hey, give me a job. You don't know me. I don't have any credentials to be here, mm-hmm. but just, just serving. And Gary Sachs, who was the GM of the Los Angeles Clippers at the time, he got back to me. He called me and it was, it was a pretty normal conversation. And I remember at the end of it, he said, if you're ever in LA, look me up, we'll grab coffee. And most people, I mean, that kind of sounds like, hey, yeah, good luck with the rest of your life. Good conversation, surface level, everything. Booked a ticket to L.A. the next right, right after that for the next week and had a great conversation with him. And literally everything, everything built from that by, by reaching out, by taking that risk, taking that chance. And mm-hmm. I, I, went, I went one for 30, 3.3%. But that's really all we need. Like we can – People say they have a dream, they want to do something, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah. I mean, do, are they, do they really want it that bad? Like you call 100 people, call 200 people. One might say yes, but that's all it takes. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. So let's. So initially you're in, when you got the job with the Clippers, what yeah, it, with, the, with the Nets. So it led me to the job with the Nets. He okay, the got it. The Clippers, but the, the relationships... Yeah, he provided me all led to the job with the Nets. Got it. Okay, so you're you're with the Nets now. And mm-hmm. so is the initial job as or occupation if you will as shooting coach or how did that look initially cuz Yeah. Did, it was okay. shooting coach player development. Okay. So I was brought I was brought in they just made pretty basketball fans out there. They made one of the worst trades in NBA history and really like really hurt them and they had a bunch of young players, like a ton of young players that needed developing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where it happened. Okay, so you get brought in as a player development coach, and I know I know you personally, and I know that you do a lot more than just shooting. But let's talk about the mental game that is shooting, yeah. because sure. uh, 
like we have a lot of guys listening to this who are required to perform very well under pressure. And that could be like, if you're a stock trader or bond trader or whatever, like there's quicksand and like things can just pile up on you. And in some ways it's very similar to shooting. Can we talk a little bit about the mental side of things and how you coach people? Man, beautiful question. It's the most important thing. And for anyone out there listening, going through this high performers, this is what I speak to companies about how to have unshakable confidence under high pressure situations. Cause there's nothing more high pressure than millions of dollars on the line in the NBA every night with millions of fans watching you. So if anybody needs a speaker, I'm more than happy to come. <laughs> just, just gave a big talk to Nestle we'll, Corporation. So we'll, we'll link to that one in the show notes. But yeah, that's the most important thing. And that's what I saw over time when I thought it was all about this, the, the form and the skills. But really it's about do you actually have the mindset that you can go out there and, and perform it? It's a whole different ball game. And what I saw was like players would say, hey, I'm having this shooting slump or – uh, I can't make shots. I don't know what it is. And I, and I would ask him, like, okay, so you have the shooting slump. When was the last time? And I, this is what I would use. When was the last time you had a shooting hippopotamus? And they'd look at me like, yeah, but what are you talking about? <laughs> but the point was to show them it's just a word. It's a self-created word that our own mind, our subconscious, we've grown up with thinking these different words have different meanings. And a slump means you're doing bad or you're down or you're failing. But I try I take these words and take it out of their vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't judge anything on makes or misses, like that just for high performers too, judging it on your stats or the the results that you get. It's it's, it's not about that. Because anything that happens like quick fixes, quick happens, that, that's great and all, but it's not you can't build a foundation on it. So we build everything on the process. Like we'll look at the players, did you did you get great shots that that you can make? Did you take them with no hesitation, with confidence? Awesome. They'll go in. Over time, they'll go in. Same thing with high performers. Are you doing the things, what I call the one percenter, where you're making yourself, taking 1% steps daily to improve yourself so that you can improve others around you? Mm-hmm. 1% steps daily. So that's kind of where I started at learning how important the mindset was. And then it got even deeper. Like everybody – learns in different ways nobody Mm -hmm. is is the same nobody has the same motivations so i would go into like deep personality tests and the best one i found is the enneagram ready test where i love the enneagram test (laughs) it's beautiful right yeah because you don't you know who you are at your best and your worst and you can see other people for for who they are no no one is better than the other one yeah now you're looking at people as different numbers so if if you don't out there don't know what I'm talking about, check it out. It really is very cool. It's worth the ten and bucks or whatever they charge you to take it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, fifteen, I think. It's 15, uh, oh, it's definitely oh, worth it. Shit, inflation. Yeah. Sales. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so we I, I packaged together that personality, taking out these these words, these negative self thought words, and we'd also build them their own highlight reel their own in the zone moment i know people call it, we'll call it flow state the nba players like to call it their swag zone mm-hmm. so it'd be something where they had their best games and we put them all together and they watch it continually continually because there's so many times that people will say they are their worst games they are their weaknesses but really we can live in our strengths yeah you can you can, you can absolutely be that person who performs at a high level i mean obviously it's not going to happen all the time, but you can put yourself in that mindset when you step into the office or when you step into a meeting and you're thinking, man, I crushed this meeting two weeks ago. Like I dominated All the words came to me and you can think that instead of thinking, Oh, what are people going to think of me? I'm, I'm nervous about this. I'll probably fail. Like that's already Mm self-defeating. So we, every time before practice, before game, they'll watch this highlight reel. They're in the zone and they'll be at their, their top, main point mm-hmm. and kind of piggybacking on that is the importance of focusing on your strengths because yeah. nobody has nobody has every strength and nor would you want it if you give if you give me somebody in the nba who's, who's good at everything they're not playing in the nba but if no. you give me someone who's great in one area they can have a long career yeah. because we're all meant to have different strengths and we put them together to form a complement 
wish list and make the the ultimate team. It's amazing. Let's talk about that 1% better concept because the idea of micro habits over time, let's say you have somebody come in for the first time and you have an NBA player, maybe he's just rookie season kind of fell off. What do you start with sort of assessing? You said the personality test, you get to know them Mm -hmm. a little bit, but I also know you delve a little bit into the health side of things too. Yeah. What do those 1% better habits, what do some of those look like? Great question. Yeah. So it starts off with getting to know the person in depth as their personality, personality, their mindsets, their motivations, and seeing where, where their struggle was and also setting goals. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in you have to set targets. You have to set goals because if not, you're there's, it's just all gray area. Yeah. And and, 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 and through this, doing all this builds a, a, a huge amount of trust with these players. So before I can teach them anything or tell them anything, the trust has got to be developed. Then it's much more than just skill set. Mindset is the most important thing. But right there is also their whole overall total optimization. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at their sleeping patterns. And most of them do not know, like, do not know how to get great sleep. Yeah, that's kind, that's kind of surprising for an NBA player, but like. It is, but we're so entwined in this optimization yeah. and everything. Like it's just like something that's natural for us, but people that aren't don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy too. Like a lot of them won't know how to fuel their body the best for the most energy, for the best mm-hmm. recovery, just because I mean, every, like they have it naturally. These guys are physically natural, unbelievable specimens. Mm-hmm. So we'll look into their nutrition and figure out how to cater that directly to what they need, um, their recovery, their longevity. And yeah, so we'll look at a full spectrum of health optimization, full spectrum of mindset development, and set the goals. So we put those three things together, and it just gives them a lot of confidence knowing that, okay, we have a plan. There's a plan in place. We can do this. And they're going through it together with me, with someone to go to hold them hand by hand and show them the way. Mm -hmm. So. More than anything, it gives them confidence. Absolutely. And I have to ask, because in the NBA, I imagine you have like an almost unlimited balance sheet to develop these players. And so what are some of these uh, kind of crazy things that you use to implement habit change with people? Like, do you send people to float tanks? Do you, uh, I mean, I'm assuming you have access to the best nutritionists in the world, but what are some of the things that you get into? If they have a deficiency in the nutrition, I will send them to a very high level nutritionist Mm -hmm. because even though I'll know it to an extent, you know, just hearing from the expert really can make that change. Same thing with mindset development. Like I'll talk through it and I'm kind of like the more the the curator and more the, the mentor, that figure. But if we need something specific, I've got guys relationships in, in every area that I can be like, okay, talk to this person and it'll be, I'm sure it'll be great. I know it's great, but you know, just thinking like, oh, this expert's telling me it's got to work. Yeah. So, so that, and it's really powerful too having these older players, veteran players that I've worked with be able mm-hmm. to talk to these younger players because there's it, people, uh, as you know, the people that have been through something, their advice weighs so much more heavy on than people that haven't been through it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of like these, these older guys mentor younger guys and it's a, it ends up being a pretty beautiful cycle. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, let's talk about kind of the routines. And I, I realize I just said, let's talk about like three or four times already. And <laughs> I need to change my language, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, we're exactly. Talking about we're talking, we're talking about, uh, routines. You have some of your own and it's one, I think it's the first chapter of the book, right? Yeah. Uh, morning and night routines. Why are those so crucial for people? Environment optimization has become very important to me. The people I surround myself with, what my home looks like, what my office looks like. And one thing that I've added to my office that I can't explain how it works, but it just seems to work really, really well, is the Samo Vedic. We've had Jiraj Kochar on the show before, but the Samo Vedic is a very interesting device, which when I plug it in, the precious stones inside get magnified throughout my office, and it just generally makes me feel better. Again, this is something I can't necessarily explain through science right now, but 
The claims the company makes include mitigation of EMFs, structuring of water, and perhaps optimizing your external environment for your internal environment. If you want to check one of these out, and I have the Medic Green Ultra, you can head on over to somavedic.com, that's S-O-M-A-V-E-D-I-C.com, and use the code BOOMER for 10% off. Let's get back to the episode, amigos. It sets up your whole day. And I know a lot of people will talk about morning routines and the importance of high performers having morning routines. But even before that is, is your nightly routines. How do, you set up, how do you set up that morning routine? And it's not like, okay, now I have to, my whole day is a morning and night routine. No, it can be very, very simple and very seamless. And you can slowly add pieces where we're needed. Mm-hmm. So it starts with a nightly routine and setting up your plan for the next day. Because I've found if you don't, I, I have three big things. I have my three big things that I want to hit every day to know that at the end of the day, okay, I got these things done. These were accomplished. I'm not going into the next day just, ooh, what should I do? Oh, should I wait for an email to come? Anything like that. Like I have my three main things that I'm going to hit. Mm-hmm. And then I also have three people that I want to encourage. Somebody that I know needs the encouragement or just somebody I haven't talked to for a while just to say, hey, I'm thinking of you. And whether it's sending them a text or sending them a video. And that's, that's really powerful pe- for people to get. Mm-hmm. So that sets up my day. And like I said, that's also thankful for with my wife before we go to bed. It sets up my morning. And the morning time to, to me, and obviously a lot of high performers know, is, is so important to have that time that you, can, that you can ease into the day where the text messages and the emails and everything aren't just flooding your brain mm-hmm. 24-7. So I won't check my unless it's an emergency that I know could possibly happen, I won't check my phone for the first 30 minutes when I wake up. I'll make coffee and I spend the first 30 minutes to 45 minutes in quiet time, prayer time. Jesus is very important to me. So that's the first thing I want to give my first time of the day to. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go into like, I'll have that, that quiet time, that, that unbelievable, beautiful coffee that I make that I, that I look forward. Yeah. To you which- use a Chemex by the way. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm an AeroPress guy. So like AeroPress is good too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I have a Chemex. I had one and it was kind of back and forth between both. And then I knocked it over and it's gone. So uh, (laughs) do you think the AeroPress is better? I I like a stronger coffee. It's different. Uh, Mm. You know, different strokes for different folks. Right. Uh, I find like if you like an, uh, an acidic coffee and wow, we're now calling this the coffee podcast, right? Uh, but <laughs> the, if you Everybody like, an, coffee. yeah, we exactly. <laughs> if you like an acidic coffee, I, I very much go for the AeroPress, but if you like something smooth and the cool thing about the Chemex is you can brew quite a lot of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like that too. That's what I need. Mass quantity. So I'll do that. And then I get, I, I do a workout in the morning. I like to, I think it, it, invigorates my mind, my yeah. energy. Everything is better when I do some kind of movement, some kind of workout in the morning. And it's also just a great feeling to know that, Hey, I've done it. Like I've already done something that's very productive and I make sure that I set aside time. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So uh, we we've covered the routines. I, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of mental dictatorship and nice. because this is fascinating to me. And the phrase mental dictatorship never occurred to me, but the idea of being able to rule your own day, because especially entrepreneur, or if you're working for yourself, you're a freelancer. There are times where you can get sucked into a vortex, like for instance, Super Tuesday or something, and you can lose a lot of your day. Explain to us the idea itself. Of mental dictatorship. Yes, yes, let's go into mental dictatorship. Okay, so it's a pretty powerful term that kind of yeah wakes people hey, up. You should you should tar- yeah you should totally trademark that by the way. <laughs> I almost called the book that, but then I figured <laughs> eh, it might turn a few people off. I like, but it. it's been something really powerful that I've seen, and it's I I started timing myself and what it took of like to get through things that I didn't want to do before I could get into the mindset of like oh. I'm here. This is happening. I can make it through it. And it kept coming back to really close to 17 seconds was the common denominator. Yeah. And so what that means is it, it takes 17 seconds. Once you start something, you can make it through. Okay. One of the hardest things to do is actually start something. Yeah. 
whether it's go to the gym and work out. You start for 17 seconds doing something, you're going to be able to make it through. Whether it's a lot of people love to put off making phone calls because that's really hard for people to do. Do one, 17 seconds in, boom, no matter what happens, okay, you're in the mode, you can keep doing more. And I kept finding ice cold shower. Like it sucks to start off with, but yeah. I do it every, oh, I forgot. I do that every morning too when I wake <laughs> up. But after 17 seconds, I found like, all right, I'm cool. And it's, it's what the mind, the power of the mind, and you have the power to control your mind. Mm-hmm. We will we'll tell ourselves that this is too hard. We can't do it. But in fact, your mind is so much stronger than you actually believe. You just have to give it a chance, though. And most of us don't give it a chance. Mm-hmm. And I know there's been this, I can't even remember the author, there's a book called The Five Second Rule. That really uh, Mel, Mel Robbins, yeah. Mel Robbins, yeah, where you count down from, from five seconds. Mm. And to be honest, I tried that for a while. Like, five seconds was not enough. Like, nope. sounds cool, great for a book, but, but really it takes, it, it takes longer. Mm-hmm. And still not too long, but you can, you can control your mindset. You can control your day. We are not what happens, what happens to us. I mean, there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens to us. And if we react to it, then we're always going to be on the reactionary. We're always going to be on the head, head, trying to keep the head above water. But if we are proactive and know that, hey, I'm going into this thing, it's going to take 17 seconds of sucking, but I'm going to get through it. And then, like I st- talked about at the start with the Prokhorov, then you look at it too as like, okay, I'm getting through this. And it's not just to get through it. It's to serve others through this situation. And I can look forward to these difficult times. It, com- it completely changes the game. Mm-hmm. And so the ability to get through, let's say you have a stack of tasks that, you know, like bookkeeping or something like that. It's things that people don't generally like to do. Yeah. Uh, you have a stack of tasks. And so the first way, first part is to not avoid and start for 17 seconds. The second yep. part is to say, like, who am I serving with this? Yep. Is that the state where you bring present moment awareness to it? Or is it some other, is it some other point? Do you actually find enjoyment in some of these things? I mean, some things you're going to not like, it's just the way it is. Some things it's not, you're not going to like, Yeah. but you can, like you just said, like, if you know that you're doing it, like, even if you're doing this bookkeeping work, it's going to help somebody Like mm-hmm. you're not doing it just for no, no point. It's going to help somebody in the business, somebody in the organization. And you also look at those situations too, as sure. That's not where you want to be long-term. Yeah, of course. But if you act like you don't want to be there, if you don't approach it like you want to be there, you're never going to get to the place you want to be. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's literally seeing your situation as understanding that you are there at this point in your life for a reason and a purpose. And if you do the best job you can with that, what's given to you on your platter, on your plate, more things will come. But yeah. if you complain, oh, woe is me, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Why is this guy doing that? Then you'll never get to that point. And it's happened a lot with NBA coaches, the ones that go into these film rooms. And one of my good friends is Eric Spolster, the head coach of the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. He started from the bottom of the bottom in the film room, grinding, but he just did it with such passion and, and, and love and energy. Now he's a head coach, two-time NBA champion. Like That's the type of approach we can bring to these mundane situations that can actually see, hey, there's so much better coming and it will happen. But we have to do the best with what we have right now in front of us. Yeah, I've heard stories of people like Hank Paulson, who used to be head of Goldman Sachs, U.S. Secretary of the Treasury. And he basically said his entire success, this is a guy who went into the U.S. Secretary of Treasury with a $500 million net worth and basically said the key to his success is that whatever he had to do at that time, and he had some, he was in investment banking. So like he had some pretty bad jobs. He just focused on that one thing. And that opened up the doors. And, you know, now the guy, Hammer and Hank, has more than enough money and he's just enjoying life, right? But that's that's very well put. Um, yeah. And there's actually a good book called The One Thing. Oh, yeah. Gary, Gary, Gary Keller. Yeah, that's perfect. There you go. That's so, a great book, too. So you're great at authors. I know the books. That I <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds a lot like how you prioritize your day, right? So Gary has his one thing. You have your three. I mean, one versus three, it's all in the eyes of the beholder, right? But um, that, that's awesome. 
We are the superheroes with the superpower of choice. I, I need to hear more. Beautiful. Yeah, we all have we all have the choice every day when we wake up to be who we decide to be. Mm-hmm. There, we're, we don't have to be the labels that other people have placed upon us. We all have something that that we resonate with, or we think we are the product of. Like even with myself, like you say my name, they'll think MBA shooting coach, and like that's my label. But it doesn't have to be. It can be what we choose to be, what we vote for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And too often we just go with what our parents say we need to be, what our peers say we need to be, the absolute comfortable. And that's why we don't even take these steps to finding our dreams. But we can choose We can choose our path. And I'm a huge believer in, and I think that's a superpower. Like People don't do it. It is a superpower you all, we all have. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big believer in speaking things into existence. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do something, you want to make something happen, Say it, tell everybody, because then it also holds you accountable for like, oh, this is what he's doing. But, but then people start to realize, oh, David Nurse, author, like no one would have thought of that mm-hmm. or speaker like three years, two, three years ago, no one would have thought of that. But I was like, hey, this is what I do. This is what I'm doing. And then it's just, oh, okay, he's doing it. But that was my choice. And you have to make that choice every day when you wake up, which is you can look at it as like, oh, that's tough because I have to do it every day when you wake up. But you can look at it as like, oh, that's beautiful. Every day I can start anew and make new choices and, mm-hmm. and be the person that I fully want to be and know that I can be. How much do affirmations attribute to that? Uh, I think a lot. I think affirmations are huge. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the power, like the next book I want to, I want to write is the, the person we talk to the most, which is ourselves. The power of self-talk and what you put into your brain. Like I call it your personal headphones too. Like, what are you listening to? Are you listening to these people, these people on social media that will say something bad about you? Or are you listening to yourself and knowing that you have that self-awareness and that power of self-talk? I can do this. Like I've been gifted. I have a gift. We, we all have God-given gifts in us, different than others, which is great. Some will be seen at a very high level and everybody around will see them. Some won't. And and. Went over to Israel, to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and the, the Temple Mount has these has these huge, huge stones, like unbelievably beautiful stones. And you can see the ones out there up top. People can visually see them and see, oh, these are so beautiful. But below the surface, there's ones that are even bigger, even more beautiful, but you never see them. Mm-hmm. So it's still like we all have these gifts. They might not be seen by millions of people, but they will be seen by someone, we know that they're in importance. And if we just have that focus of no matter if we impact a million people or we impact one person, like that person that we impact could impact another person and focus on knowing that we have the choice to have this type of mindset where we positively reinforce in ourselves with these affirmations. Other than affirmations, because I agree, like the self-talk is oh make or break you right other than affirmations what are things that people can do to just make sure to silence the inner demon to silence the you know you may get a comment on a youtube video that says your interviews are worthless or something like that right um how do you silence that or do you just completely like do you just completely ignore the comments no i mean it's tough everybody if you see something bad about you then like you're going to think it, but you also have to think these people that are saying stuff bad about you are also very insecure about themselves. So yeah. at the end of the day, like, why would you listen to them? Mm-hmm. You know yourself better than Joe Schmo on Twitter who says you're terrible. So like what weight does it really have? Mm-hmm. And then I think it's so important to surround yourself with positively in, infusing people, like people that will not just be your yes man, but will encourage you, will help you with your goals. And you, you say a big goal, big dream. And they're like, not like, Oh no, you can't do that, man. They're yeah, for sure. Let's do this. Like that's the, like, it's so powerful to be around those type of people. Yeah. I don't have anybody in my life. Like I don't have enough time to hang around negative people and have them drag me down. Yeah. Like I want to be around these people that help me grow and, and stay in this positive mindset. So yeah, affirmations are important. So are being, uh, being around the people that you are or the people that you're around or who you are. And also going back to the NBA players, we can all do these, in the zone confidence reels like we can watch these moments in our mind the, the power of visualization is is 
absolutely huge. Mm-hmm. And we can self re- recreate these moments and make these daily things that we do too. The environment, you just talked about it. And in the book, you mentioned about curating the environment for you to perform better. Um, you have a guitar. What other things in the, in the environment do you have? It, you said a guitar? Yeah, I think you had it. Oh, in the yes, book, it yes. says it's like a guitar and a Bible. What other things in your yeah. environment make you perform better? Well, I'm, I'm standing up at a desk right now. Nice. So I think that helps me perform better. I'm mm-hmm. overlooking... Uh, the marina and there's sunlight, a lot of sunlight coming in. That makes me feel a lot better. Amazing. I have, yep, I have a kettlebell next to me, always close in case I need to do something. I'm standing on a yoga mat, unless I, in case I want to stretch out. Mm-hmm. Um, I make sure my wife is close to me at all times so I can have my best friend and positive reinforcement right there if I need it. There you go. That's awesome, man. Very good. Very good. Uh, David, I want to transition now into some rapid fire questions, if it's okay with you. Uh, sure, love it. So what is your, I, I guess you can say, what has been the most influential book, aside from your own, that you've read that's helped shape your thinking? Yeah, great question. Other, other than the Bible, other than, Essentialism. Essentialism. Essentialism by, okay. by Greg McCowan. Yep, I know who wrote that one. Read it many times. <laughs> And what, what did you get? I mean, what did you take away from that? Because I think of essentialism and sometimes essentialism and minimalism get confused. Uh, So if you don't mind just explaining a little bit about essentialism and what you got out of it. Very different things. Good point. It's the the power of saying no, the Mm -hmm. power of like, not like the the biggest enemy to great is good. It's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's like, we have so many good things in our life that we can keep choosing in this, this FOMO that gets everybody, but the power of saying no makes your yes even stronger and yeah. understanding your value. Mm-hmm. So making sure that you make times for the things that are the most important. And it's just, a, it's just so well written. And just every time I read it, I learn something new. It hits me really hard. It's a big time book. Good. Uh, top trick for enhancing your focus. Top trick for enhancing your focus I, I like taking seven deep breaths. Anytime that I need to really focus, and I do this before I, I go on stage and speak, I'll sit there and take seven deep, deep breaths, and it just puts me in a, a mode of, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm calm. I can do this. And then I also, along with that, I like to say, I like to say bring it on. So anytime I'm feeling nerves or I'm feeling like something's way out of whack, I say bring it on. So now I'm, I'm, I'm using these nerves to to go perform at a higher level and stay focused. Mm -hmm. So you and I have had the pleasure of experimenting with NAD together, but what excites you most about the health world right now? What excites me the most is that people are more and more people are understanding the actual importance of it and how it can, it can really, it's not, it's not healthcare, but it's, it's the, the prevention before this even happens. Like we don't have to go to the doctors as, as many times as people do. We can live this lifestyle. Sure. We might not see it happening right now. And even like NAD, you don't see the immediate results, mm-hmm. but you do these things. These are like the 1% things. You do these things, you stack these, you make these habits and you're knowing that you're going to live a more enjoyable life. doesn't matter if you live to a 150 that, but if you live every day with great energy, with health, like that's, that's, that's so huge. Mm-hmm. And cause I mean, think about it. Like even if you have a scratchy throat, like your health is bad to have a scratchy, that ruins your whole day. Yeah. Right. Health is, health is everything. I think yep. it's, it's really cool what, I mean, people are doing it and really bringing this to, to awareness to others. Beautiful. David, where can people find out more about you in the book? Yeah, davidnurse.com is a great way to find everything. The book, speaking, videos. We'll have courses coming on soon with that. David Nurse 5, Instagram. And on Twitter, David Nurse NBA. And the 1% podcast as well. Nice. We will have you on. Yes, awesome. for sure. So the 1% podcast. And yeah, if you come out to LA, I'm out here just running around. That's where. Well, I'll be out there in a couple of weeks and maybe we'll, we'll take a trip to Irwan for some Brussels sprouts soon. Say no more. Japanese sweet potatoes and Brussels sprouts. <laughs> you coming out? You coming out for upgrade labs? I, the I, month? I will be there. So we'll see you. Beautiful. Beautiful uh, man. 
All right, guys, this has been an absolute pleasure. David, thank you for sharing this. This talk around mental chatter, you and I are going to do it again sometime because it's fascinating to me that the world really exists between our two ears and yeah. that kind of shapes everything. So thank you for sharing all of your experiences uh, and crazy stuff you've done with Russian billionaires, for instance. But I appreciate <laughs> it, brother. Thank you. Boomer, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for being able to come on this. I appreciate it. Awesome. To all the superhumans out there, have an absolutely epic day. So the book Pivot and Go is packed with stories, and David and I only scratched the surface on this today. Unfortunately, due to some of the global events, David and I are going to have to postpone our Erewhon date for some time in the future, but I look forward to catching up with him in person, perhaps over some Brussels sprouts and a good smoothie at dear old Erewhon. If you want to review the show notes for this one, as well as get a hold of David's book, Pivot and Go, go to decodingsuperhuman.com slash pivot and go. And if you enjoyed this episode, if I can just ask you one favor before leaving, head over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, or go on the social medias and really share something that you learned from this episode. Was it a quote? Was it a moment in the episode? Was it a story? Was it a laugh? Please let us know. Again, the show notes are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash pivot and go. And I hope you all have an epic day. Remember as always, choose health.